Welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast, bringing together thought leaders in the technology, media, and telecommunications industries to discuss legal issues that are expected to impact today's organizations and tomorrow's marketplace. Kelly Dry Full Spectrum is produced twice monthly, and show notes are available at www.kellydryfullspectrum.com. For more in-depth commentary, head to our blog, comlawmonitor.com. All links are in the show notes. This podcast is produced by the Kelly Dry Communications Practice Group. Welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast. My name is Jamison Dempsey, and I'm an associate in the communications group of Kelly Dry and Warren. I'm here with John Heitman, the chair of our communications group. Hi, John. Hi, Jamison. Today we're here to talk about net neutrality. As many of you know, in February 2015, the FCC adopted an order reclassifying broadband internet access service as a Title II telecommunications service under the Communications Act. In the order, the Commission established several open internet rules, including prohibitions on blocking, throttling, and paid prioritization. It also established a forward-looking general conduct standard and enhanced its existing transparency rule. In addition, the Commission imposed several of its core legacy common carrier regulations while forbearing from others. Today, John and I will be discussing the order and some of the key things that broadband providers can be doing right now to protect themselves. So I think where I'd like to start here is, you know, who do these rules apply to? Who are are the folks out there in the industry who should care about the 2015 Open Internet Order? Jameson, the folks who need to care are fixed and mobile broadband internet access service providers. You know, one of the most interesting parts about um, the open internet order is the way that they deal with the rest of the internet ecosystem. You know, they talk about or don't, or don't. <laughs> but you know, I think there there are two things that are interesting to me that I'd I'd want to uh, talk about. Um, So the first one is this idea of the coffee shop exemption. So in the open internet order, the FCC says the rules apply to bias providers, but it doesn't apply, the rules don't apply, to providers who are the coffee shop down the street. So John, what's the thinking behind this and and what really is the scope of this coffee shop exemption? I think the scope of the coffee shop exemption is unclear. So let me start there and then go back to unpack it. Uh, The coffee shop exemption is the case of you going to your local coffee shop and getting your internet access there. And it's part of that coffee shop's business. They have, they provide internet access to you, so you stay and have a coffee. There are all sorts of businesses that that provide Wi-Fi. Yes, there are all sorts of businesses that provide Wi-Fi. Where I think it gets interesting is um, the manner in which it is a coffee shop, coffee shop exemption, or whether there's a whole class of coffee shops, perhaps, that do this, or, or whatever the entity is, and whether that's going to fall under the exemption, or whether that is going to be classified as something else. So I do think, I didn't want to overstate the case for um, concern there, but I do think that there is, it's worth looking at. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, you think about your your corner coffee shop, right? I I live in Brooklyn and there are surrounded by me are all of these tiny one-off mom and pop shops. I've been around there for 60 years, right? And if they have if they have a Wi-Fi connection, it's clear they fall within the coffee shop exemption. I think 
where things start to get gray and what gets interesting is, you know, what if the mom and pop shop opens a franchise and what if the franchise is global? Um, Once you start offering Wi-Fi on every corner or essentially every corner, uh, have you gone from being a provider subject to the coffee shop exemption into a broadband internet access service provider? And the answer is, I'm not sure, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't be worried, right? Because let's use a different example, hotels. Hotels provide Wi-Fi access to their guests every day. They provide access to individual guests like you and me who rent uh, rooms or stay in rooms. They also provide uh, internet access to those who exhibit in their exhibit halls and have conferences and meetings in their conference spaces. And uh, the FCC has recently uh, gone after Uh, certain providers of those services in a very creative way, not even using the open internet rules. So the FCC, uh, I mentioned before, right, with regard to privacy, it was reaching into its toolkit to expand the reach of its toolkit, notwithstanding this order. This order falls into into line with its uh, uh, with its desire to make sure the internet is accessible open and free but they have a number of tools they're using to go after it so i think if you're in the business of providing access to the internet uh, you need to think carefully about slowing it down or inhibiting the access of others in one way or another and that includes inhibiting the access of others on their own devices in your space, which is the example of the hotel Wi-Fi cases that we've seen so far. Gotcha. Interesting. So maybe the hypothetical would be, you know, a, a global hotel chain launches a video app. You know, in, in the normal course, you, you go into a hotel and you can rent movies off the TV. Um, if there was an application that was providing the same service and the hotel decided to speed that up vis-a-vis all other video, then we're potentially in an area where the FCC might think about getting involved. I think that's right. I think if the hotel's service is given a priority over others, that's the kind of case the FCC would look like. It's just like if the carriers had access to their own video, right, and they wanted to sell their own video products and not have you take them from the cable company or from Netflix, that is, um, you know, that, that's an area of interest to the FCC. They don't want any particular vehicle or content to go faster than the other on the on the open internet. Right. So essentially if if you're offering broadband internet access service to to a consumer base, the larger your consumer base and the more that it looks like a mass market service, the more likely the FCC will get involved. I think that's right. I think that's right. Now, the other thing, you know, we talk about this, the coffee shop exemption. These are small businesses offering Wi-Fi to their consumers or offering broadband to their consumers. But there's a whole other category of services that the FCC exempted from being a bias service, but also gave a few rights. And so, uh, John, what did the FCC do with these content delivery networks, with the CDNs? Well, I think I, I want to go back to the beginning to address this question. And I think the beginning of this battle is um, the delivery of video over the internet and the competitive threat it poses to cable providers, for example, and other uh, more traditional means of getting video. And that that is sort of the basis of this um, controversy. And what we have seen is providers like Netflix advocate for this open internet framework and this uh, open internet um, uh, rules. And what they got uh, was the right to actually go to the FCC and complain about the way in which their content is getting delivered to consumers. 
So uh, the rules are not only don't throttle, don't block, and um, no paid prioritization. Uh, they give those companies whose content uh, would, could be blocked, could be throttled, or uh, could be subject to paid prioritization. They give them the right to actually complain to the FCC. And so uh, I think it's um, this area we'll, we'll call interconnection, right? It's the interconnection of these content delivery networks to the, the on and off ramps of the Internet, right, the, the bias providers. And I think that's interesting. Uh, it's not clear exactly how it will come because the idea is that you can't prioritize over the same pipe, right? Uh, and you can't throttle, you can't block. But that doesn't mean that you can't require uh, somebody to buy more or a wider pipe in order to get their volume of traffic through. I don't think it does, but I think it, you know, we'll have to figure that out. And that's something that, you know, you wait for the case where uh, some interconnecting non-bias provider um, brings a complaint at the FCC and goes goes through that process and allows the FCC to to make that decision of, of what side of the line it, it, you know, it falls on. Is, is it reasonable? Was it unreasonable? Right. You know, we've talked about bias providers who are explicitly covered by the rules. Uh, we've talked about other services, like services covered by the coffee shop exemption, right? VPNs, CDNs, not covered. They're not, they're not bias providers. Um, who else should be concerned about these rules? Who else haven't we touched upon who, who might want to consider what the open internet order is and what it's all about? I think most carriers will want to understand what the open internet order is. I think if you don't serve consumers, you don't have to worry about a lot of it. But it doesn't mean you don't have to worry at all. It depends on what kind of enterprise-level customers you have. Enterprise services in general are not covered. Hosting, data storage, uh, those sorts of non-consumer, non-mass market services are not covered. But keep in mind that your customers can be these companies, these edge providers, for example, like Netflix. And uh, if that's your kind of customer, you have to ensure, I think, that their traffic flows over your network just like everyone else's does. And so if you're providing a piece of the Internet, you have to make sure that your pipes are open to all and that all traffic flows through them just like any other. I mean, subject to the technologies built into them, right? I mean, IP networks today prioritize voice. Mobile LTE networks prioritize voice and video. And the next generation networks, the... Um, the 5G networks. The 5G networks may, may prioritize other things. Uh, they may have a, a channel or a priority for Internet of Things uh, traffic. It's, it remains to be seen, but um, we have always had certain prioritization built into the network technologies. And I think it will be interesting to see how these rules and these concepts play against the, the technical nature of the network. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about the technical nature of the network. A lot of the stuff in the open Internet order doesn't have to do specifically with the open Internet protections. That's just one small part of it. I mean, there's a whole section on it about um, the, the classification argument. You know, is this an information service or is this a telecommunication service? These are kind of bread and butter telecommunications issues. So if I'm just a, a normal trans, uh, transit provider, Right, or if I provide middle mile or backhaul or, or whatever it is, um, there still may be issues here, right? P private carriage, uh, for one example. Right. I, I think it's important to view the open, in open Internet order as doing two things. It adopts open Internet rules, uh, 
for bias providers. One, it reclassifies bias as a common carrier service. So that world comes under the framework of the old telephone regulation scheme. Many of those rules have been set aside, but many apply. So if you are still involved in some way of moving internet traffic, and even if it's not the on and off ramps, I think you need to be concerned that uh, you're going to have that portion of what you do potentially classified as being under the realm of this new framework. And uh, with that, you have to think about things like 201B, right? No, no unjust and unreasonable practices. You can't be unreasonably discriminatory under Section 202. So you can sell different things, but you can't be unreasonable in what, how you go about it. John, we've been talking a lot about the rules that are in effect, the order, right, which, which is in effect. But there's still a lot that's, uh, that hasn't been settled at this moment. So what's next in the proceeding? Well, right now, parties are in federal court. The FCC has filed briefs. Uh, private parties, Internet access service providers have filed briefs. Consumer groups have filed briefs, arguing whether these rules should stand or fall. And the court will decide, and likely soon. Oral arguments will be held in December. And uh, most people uh, think that the court will be fairly quick to rule, probably in the first quarter of next year. And what could happen? The court could knock the rules down entirely. The court could uphold the rules entirely. Or the court could take a middle ground and say, we like some of it, we don't like some of it, and send it back to the FCC for a fourth try in getting this right. What I think um, is important for the audience to understand is that even if this happens, that the court knocks it all down and says the FCC, this decision is wrong, the court is unlikely to say, and don't try it again. The FCC could try it again and go at it a different way. Uh, the way this particular item came out wasn't the way many thought it would. They might take a different route. Uh, but also, the FCC has been busy doing things outside the scope of this order in order to reach companies in this digital age, right, in the, in the internet age. We mentioned the privacy case, Yortel Terracom, the privacy and security provisions come there not from the open internet order, but from pieces of the statute that have been there for decades. So for the hotel cases, the FCC reached into its toolkit and grabbed another statutory provision. So what I would say is even if the rules get overturned entirely, I don't think we will go back to the day where we had legacy rules for legacy services, te telephony, phone service, and something else for the internet. I don't think we're going to go there soon. It, it, it remains to be seen, but the current trajectory of the agency is that it will use its full toolkit uh, to ensure that it can protect consumers in the digital age so that they can get to the internet content they want and that providers of all kinds can get the content to those consumers in a, in a fair way. And in addition to the commission, there's always Congress, right? Congress could could act. At some point, they had this ComAct update. It seems to have gone dormant. I mean, do you expect anything from Congress? Soon? Congress can always act. Uh, they rarely do, right? It's not easy to change law, and it's not easy to make law. And so uh, Congress uh, could legislate. What Congress typically does is that Congress has hearings, and that they try to guide the actions of the agency by these oversight hearings and the like. So you will have Congress continue to pressure, but this open, in, open Internet order did create a rift in Congress, with Republicans generally opposed to the FCC 
uh, interpreting the statute in a manner that they say wasn't meant to be. Uh, and you have uh, Democrats uh, largely in support of the agency, saying the agency has a very malleable statute that can be used and has been used for decades to keep up with advances in communications. Keep in mind, most of the statute was drafted in 1934. Significant revisions were done in 1996, but this statute has kept up from telegrams to local calling, to long distance calling, to text messaging, to data, and now to internet. I mean, John, we've covered the landscape here. We've, we've talked about the open internet order. Uh, we've talked about what broadband internet access service providers should be doing. Uh, we've talked more broadly about the internet ecosystem, all the different players and how this order might affect them. Um, we've talked about privacy and data security uh, and, and what's, what's coming next. I, I think that my main takeaway here uh, is that while this was a huge splash, this order, um, that there's still a lot of ripples that are still being figured out at the FCC. That's right. I think there will be things to be figured out in the court, and the FCC will be figuring things out in the context of this order, rulemakings that stem from this order, and then uh, they will use other provisions of the statute, as we've seen, to get at what they want to get at, which is a new era of consumer protection for the internet age at the FCC. The FCC wants to be relevant. Thanks, John. The views and ideas expressed on this program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or ideas held by Kelly Dry and Warren LLP, its staff, or management.